Hey guys, if you really like this episode, please support our podcast by going to talkmurder.com slash join and becoming a Talko Supremo. Warning, this episode may contain references to clowns and clown-related subject matter. You may even hear circus music, although that is probably all in your head. Please do not take Talk Murder to me if you are allergic to red balloons, puffy red noses, bears riding tricycles, bearded ladies, or anything else that I find super entertaining, but scares the shit out of most of you guys listening to the show. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Clown Murder to Me. (laughs) We're back recording tonight. John Wayne Gacy, part two. Yes, thank you for all the angry emails I got from you guys. Most yeah. podcasters will put out part one and immediately put out a part two. We used to do that. There's a lot of Talk with Primos out there that submitted some stories. And let me run down the list of who. Jenna, I got yours. Rose, I got your story. I actually did a bunch of research on the victim. That is a crazy fucked up story. Didn't she send us a, a crazy story before? Uh, was that the pig one? Mm. Oh yeah, maybe it was. I don't remember which one it was, but I feel like William Pickin. William Pickin. Uh, yeah, Pick, I think Pick. that was her. And also, Rose, I like your um, profile picture on the forum. I think that's also her Facebook profile picture. Oh yeah, I really like that. Lauren got yours. Going back to Australia, it looks like uh, Jenna. You got another one. I got yours. Uh, Tony, you got a really fucked up mind. If you want me to do that, <laughs> if you want me to do that guy. <laughs> But I'll I'll see what I can do. Also, the reason I haven't done yours yet, Tony, because I know you submitted another one, the Stephen Avery case, is because those are pretty big. So I'm waiting to get uh, enough time to get those. And the new one that you just submitted is also pretty big. Did you guys see that Kathleen Zellner put out a petition for people to find the... um, Kathleen's yeah, it was like a, real, a reward money. Yeah, reward money to find her real killer. I did see that. That's I saw Savannah, Savannah. I saw your post on Facebook about that. I kind of chuckled. Yeah, I know. But at the same time, I don't know. I kind of disagree. I'm getting those, and I also got a couple of emails. Thursday will be an episode for our very special Tacos Primo, Sarah from Portland. She's been. Uh, living the struggle this last week, so shout out to you. We're thinking of you. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, it's Chuck and Mikey's anniversary today. Happy, Happy four years, anniversary. guys. Happy anniversary. So, congrats to you. You said four years? Yeah. Very nice. Happy anniversary. So, who's ready to do John Wayne Gacy Part 2? Me! Me! Pick me! Pick me! Please don't show any more clips of it. <laughs> clowns, 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 clowns. All right, so a couple of you guys guessed the Pogo reference, and very, very good. Yeah, Savannah got it right. Polo, nice. Or Polo. Pogo means Polish. He's Polish, and he's always on the go-go. Pogo, the clown, is originally. Pogo comes from being Polish and on the go all the time, so it's Pogo. Which is true. If you remember on the last episode. Wake me up before you go, go. Let me recap this. 
last episode real quick for you guys. John Wayne Gacy, the killer clown, if you will, convicted of killing 33 young boys and men. No female victims. We talked no female victims. We even though he did admit to one of his victims or one of his survivors, which we're going to talk about tonight, that he did kill female victims. But I just think he was bullshitting. So no female victims. He was not a homosexual. At least he didn't think so. At least he didn't think so. And we're going to talk a lot about that tonight because I researched a lot about this case because the psychology of him is so fascinating. Eventually, I came to the conclusion, for myself at least, if he wasn't such a pious kind of guy growing up, you know, he always went to Catholic math. Catholic math. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Catholic math. Catholic math. It's uh, I, I math feel like there was for Catholics. That's kids. like in that's like in uh, Crazy Ex Girlfriend when, oh, when Crazy Ex Girlfriend when Josh goes to become a priest and he, they call it priest preschool and they're like preschool and they're like priest school. <laughs> we don't call it that for a reason because of the whole scandal. Which anyway. So in the research I did with John Wayne Gacy, it's a very interesting case. The psychology is so fascinating. We're going to be diving a lot into the psychology because he is like, if you take a bucket, an empty bucket, and you throw all kinds of conditions in there, like antisocial personality disorder, narcissism, and you just swirl it all up, mix it around, that's John Wayne Gacy for you. It's incredible how many... uh, diagnoses he's gotten for his mental illness, if you will. He actually was diagnosed with multiple yeah. disorders? Oh, yeah. but no, not multiple personality no, disorders. No. no, multiple disorders. Oh, yeah, multiple disorders, but not enough to make him not responsible for his crimes. But it's so interesting, and I was thinking, if he was just openly gay, mm-hmm. or at least comfortable with his homosexuality, this this whole thing may have not happened because if you look at the survivors we're going to be talking about tonight, it's almost like he feels disgusted after. After he does the yes, sexual act. Yes, it, it's, so, it's so crazy. I, and was he doing that? I can't remember. Was he doing the sexual act when they were still alive? Yes. Okay. So he would – all right. Well, let's, let's get into it. some were underage. Like they were – No, they're ju- mostly, mostly underage. Mostly children. Mostly under 16. Robert Pice, I think it's Peast, but he was, I think, 16, and he was the actual reason that John Wayne Gacy got caught. I mean, that he is the one kid that the family was just like, no, okay, where's my son? Right. And that's when the cops really wrapped up. And a lot of people were like, well, the cops, they waited until we killed 33 people. A lot of the people buried in John Wayne Gacy's crawl space were... Prostitutes, not prostitutes, well, yeah, like kid prostitutes, sex workers, runaways, stuff like that. So a lot of people, a lot of these kids weren't missed. Anyway, so the thing about Gacy, to sum Gacy up in a nutshell before we get started, is this guy, very successful businessman, had sort of a rough growing up. They weren't poor or anything, living in poverty, but very alcoholic father, very abusive father, and, and one one episode tonight we're going to talk about is when the father, when John Wayne Gacy was two years old, punches his wife. She literally loses half her teeth. 
Oof. in one oh incident. And God. then she he throws her out on the sidewalk in public and starts beating her <gasps> and doesn't stop until the cops come. Holy shit. So that's what he was, the life he grew up in. My dad was domineering in effect. He had a different set of values, but also very stern individual. My dad drank a lot. When he drank a lot, yeah, he was abusive to my mother and to me. But I never swung at my dad because I loved him for what he stood for. At the end of the day, they found 29 bodies under his home. The majority in the crawl space. There were two under the driveway, I believe. And then the rest, he actually ran out of room. And he just started chunking them off bridges. The Robert, Robert Peace, the kid, the last kid that he killed, the one that brought this whole investigation of him to start with, he was one of the ones he just chunked off, chucked off the local bridge. So did he, his body wash up? No, they actually found it. They pulled it out because they were all looking for him. And Gacy confessed. Mm. So that's the thing about this. Gacy, as soon as he knew the gig was up, he confessed to the police. Mm. And this is very important. Keep this in mind. He actually drew a map. That's very important. We're going to talk about that. He drew a map of where all the bodies were in his crawl space. And in fact, one time when he was drawing the map, okay, and he would actually draw stick figures of where each body was, kind of fucking ominous, I guess, you know. Oh, yeah. Here, let's start with some Gacy quotes to impress your friends. My life is like being in a dark tunnel, not knowing how long it is or even if I'm going in the right direction. Since the dark shadow of Satan has come over me, it seems that my fair-weather friends have run away. When things are going... Where things were good and I was giving, everyone was on my bandwagon. But as soon as I am accused and suspected, they run and hide. May God have mercy on them. If it wasn't for God's will, I would have never given or helped so many people. Oh, I am no saint or anything like that, just one of God's children. I do not take the right to sit in judgment or sit in judgment on others or myself. Well, yeah, I would probably, you know, no longer really be friends with somebody who's yeah a murderer. One of the reasons this the part two has taken me so long to put out is because we could do Ted Bundy and you can map Ted Bundy out pretty easy. Yeah, he's kind of complicated in the mind, but, you know, he's very sexually motivated and his killings. He was just a sexual maniac. This guy is so much different because and here's the way I'm thinking about it. Ted Bundy, it was Ted Bundy versus society, right? Ted Bundy's trying to kill, every, you know, kill all these women to satisfy himself. John Wayne Gacy is John Wayne Gacy versus himself. He's Mm. killing all these people because in his mind, he knows homosexuality is a sin against his religion, but yet he's struggling with being, with having those urges and feelings, you know? So a lot of times he's killing because of that. Killing after he partakes in homosexual acts because he feels guilty about it would you say or would you say that he kills his victims because they well are his were were his victims mostly homosexual or were they we don't know or no i think they were just kids all right so a lot of the majority of the kids actually work for him doing little things right you know make 50 bucks here putting up drywall or whatever and they see someone like John Gacy, who is ex- 
who's got a lot of clout and is extremely well known in political circles and has a lot of push with anything. So basically, and there was one mother that told her son before he got killed by John Gacy, you know, stick around with stick, stick by this guy and you'll go places because this guy has the connections. And John Gacy was such a manipulator. He can manipulate these kids, these boys into doing homosexual acts. You know what I'm saying? And they mm-hmm. just went along with it. Remember his first wife divorces him after the sodomy charge. He gets a sodomy charge. Do you remember that? And he spent 10 years in yes. prison. Yeah, he, he thought, was the cook at yeah, that point. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. why he was a cook. He thought he was only going to be out on probation. Okay, the judge, Judge Van Meter, Van Meter, M-E-T-R-E, Meter, Meter, Judge Van Meter decided against the probation because he thought he was going to get completely off the hook. You know, he's a first-time offender. He actually gets sentenced 10 years. His wife leaves him. Mm -hmm. Now, remember, he was the colonel of KFC. Not the colonel, colonel, but he he ran three KFCs. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> not the, now, can you remind me? Was, I was like, this is Colonel Sanders? <laughs> what? No, no, no. But Colonel everyone Sanders called him Colonel. And a clown? No. Um, <laughs> can you just re- refresh my memory? The sodomy charge was with uh, a consenting adult or was it with a minor? It was a minor, yeah, that that he um, so, basically so, oh, assaulted. Because right, I think we talked about, like, why was it only a sodomy charge? Right. It should have been, like, a rape charge as well. Yeah. All right, so the judge at the time that convicted him on the sodomy charge, Judge Van Meter, decided against probation, quote, the particular pattern you seem to have chosen. Now he's talking to John Gacy at this point. The judge said, is to seek out teenage boys and get them involved either in sexual misbehavior or in other misbehavior and unsatisfactory in many respects as imprisonment is. At least that will ensure for some period of time that you cannot seek out teenage boys to solicit them for immoral behavior of any kind. That's what the judge said. So on December 3rd, 1968, he convicted and sentenced John Wayne Gacy to 10 years in prison. His wife leaves him. Remember, his wife's father was the owner of all those KFCs who employed his son. Mm -hmm. His wife's father, his stepfather, hated him, by the way. Knew knew John Gacy was a con man and tried to convince his daughter not to marry up marry him up until the day they actually got married. So he is damn happy she divorced him. Okay, right. but that was like the first unraveling, nineteen sixty eight. Because I remember I said this whole thing, this whole he got caught in seventy eight. This is the turning point in his life where things start going downhill quick after his wife leaves him. Mm-hmm. When he was locked up in prison, he was expecting to get out. You remember I showed you that uh, video of him being a cook and the reporter asking him how long he's planned to stay and stuff like that. Okay, so this is what the judge also said after he applied for release. Now, he applied for re- he applied for an, an early release six months into his imprison- imprisonment. And he says, quote, I am rather pessimistic about any long-range change in Gacy's behavior. Or in Gacy's character, I believe from what I know that he is likely to behave properly so long as under supervision and the threat of possible harmful consequences for misbehavior. 
David Dutton, which was the Black Hawk County attorney at the time, uh, writes that I do not feel that John Gacy should receive any consideration or leniency at this time. Mr. Gacy has always had the capacity to manipulate his environment and most people in it for his own ends. I would highly suspect of his changed attitude. So, I mean, I'm reading this because it kind of supports. Now, this is before the murder. So. Late 1960s, when he was married to his first wife, his employees that he would Mm -hmm. hire for KFC would come over to his house because in the basement, Mm -hmm. in the basement, he had a recreation room that he set up. And this is before he got into construction? Yeah, this is before that because he was working at KFC. But after his wife left him, you know, and he spent 10 years in prison for sodomy, his ex-stepfather is booting him out too, you know. So in the late 1960s, around the same time, he opened up this local hub, if you will, this recreational room in his basement. All these teens that worked for him in the KFC would come over. And these are kids, mostly boys. Yeah. Although there's occasionally, you know, 14. Yeah, 14 to 16. Some even younger than that. They come over because it was a free place to drink beer. And what he would do, since Gacy's a really good businessman, by the way, is he would charge these kids per month, like a little fee, like a renter fee or something. A monthly membership? Yeah, it's like a membership fee. And they could Damn, come up- <laughs> he did the monthly memberships before that was even a thing. Yeah. yeah. Charge them a membership fee to illegally go to his basement and drink? Yeah. Most of them were, because the drinking yeah. age back then was probably 18, yeah. but so they, were they were probably all under 18. Yeah, they were all under 18, but they could go there. You pay whatever, like, I don't know, 10 bucks a month, kind of like your Netflix subscription. And you can go to this guy's house where he's got a pool table, probably a jukebox. And you probably bought the beer for All them. the free beer you can drink, you know? Now, at this time, this is where we really start to dig into Gacy's psychology and the reason why it took me so long to produce a second episode, because I cannot to this day understand it. But this is where he starts devising his tricks for conducting in homosexual acts with these kids. The first trick was the pool table blowjob trick. It's basically, hey— Let's play a game of pool. Well, this does not seem like anything I'm familiar with, with the game of pool. No. Okay. Well, all right. So he'd be how like, you, uh, okay. We're going to find this, out. How is this a trick? He'd be like, all right, let's play a couple games of pool, you know. And, you know, he'd probably lose or whatever a couple times. And then this kid, this 16 year old kid that works at KFC with him, he would say, all right, this next game, since you've been beating me like crazy. How about this? If I win, you have to give me a blowjob. So he was hustling them. <laughs> yeah. I used to have a friend that, not for blowjobs, but he would, he would go. Dear God, I <laughs> <laughs> No, this guy, we would go to all these bars, and he was a fantastic pool player. Anyway, super intelligent guy, but we'd go to these bars, and he was, he drank a lot, a lot. Like, we would always get really fucked up. But he would hustle these guys, and he would lose a couple games and be like, damn it, I just lost 20 bucks to you. Shit, you know, I have another 20 bucks in my wallet. Do you want to play one more game? And then he would destroy them (laughs) because the whole time he was, like, hustling them, you know. And then we would always – these guys would always want to fight us and shit. Yeah, I feel like that's how that goes in the movies. Yeah. (laughs) I kept telling him, I was like, dude, you can't just – 
lose horribly every game and then dominate them, you, you got to, you know. <laughs> At least make it close. Yeah. So, oh, that's so, just so gross. Most of the Why, t- who would ever fucking agree to that? Well, these kids are young and stupid. And like I said, yeah, but even the like mothers it's are 20 like 20 bucks like that. Oh. Even Back the, then that was like 50 bucks though. So you got to understand a lot some of these kids he knew their fathers because he was oh, very so political. Creepy. He was uh, in the Democratic Association, like very high up there. You know, that's yeah. the thing about this guy, like very influential type of dude. So their parents would want them to hang out with John Gacy because they could get places. Um, all right, so the blowjob at the pool table trick hardly ever worked. But he did have another trick up his sleeve. Since he was so high up in the political circles, he actually would tell these boys, all right, the governor of Illinois has personally commissioned me, and he had a badge and a certificate and everything. He said he's commissioned me to do a research study, a sex research study. It involves experiments with homosexual acts. This is all for the interest of the scientific community. And these kids would go along with it. Here's the thing with John Gacy. He's got to just get a foot in the door. So the blowjob at the pool table thing doesn't work. Whatever. Let's try the scientific approach. Oh, part of the study is I have to put a padlock on your hands and see if you can get out. Once the padlock and chains on your hand... Then he doesn't care about what you think. He's going to rape you and do all kinds of shit to you. Literally, which we're going to read. Well, Jen's going to read. Yeah. Uh, Figured. (laughs) Did he ever do um, the sexual stuff or this stuff while he was in clown garb? I don't think so. Okay. The other. other, That would be fucking terrifying. uh, The other trick he had was the rope trick, which he actually showed a reporter that. Well, he used a rosary. To oh, show the oh. reporter. No, no, not his oh, victims. Oh, just, just to show the reporter. But he took the rosary and he takes it around your hands. And then and he also used it on the neck, too. And then you just basically put a stick in there and twist it like a tourniquet. Oh, to make it like a garrote? Yeah, yeah, basically same thing. I had a rosary, which I carried in my pocket. I've always carried a rosary. It was my communion uh, rosary. They said, well, what, what kind of... Uh, a knot to you use. I said, what do you mean knot? When I tie things up, I, I says, uh, depending on what I'm using it for, I said, the only thing I ever learned was from Boy Scouts is a tourniquet knot. He said, well, show us what that is. So I took, at that time, it, and again, it's together, but in order to demonstrate it here, I took the rosary and I said, well, here, you, you put it around. This is hard trying to do this. Why don't you put your hand out? Okay, here. What I told him, I said, here, all you do is you, you wrap it around. You put one knot in it, and I said, then you put a second knot in it, okay? Mm-hmm. I said, then you take a stick and stick it in here, and you just turn this, and I said, it causes an tourniquet. So the best way that I found out from doing this murder podcast about the MO is to see if there's any survivors and see what they went through. I think that's the best way to actually know what the victims went through. I've always felt that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in 1967, a boy named Edward Lynch, he was 16 years old, his boss, John Gacy, John Gacy invited him over for a game of pool at his infamous recreational lounge. And this is when his wife was in the hospital. She actually just delivered his second child. So this guy's coming over Lynch and 
I put in the blog post I wrote that he was one of the, quote, lucky ones, all right, because this was very lenient compared to the next guy I'm going to tell you about. But he was subjected to the handcuff trick, and this is, this is the handcuff trick in motion. Gacy padlocks the boy's hands behind his back and asks him if he can get loose. Okay, now this is from the book Killer Clown, but this is also Gacy's words as described by Edward Lynch, the 16-year-old at the time. Can you get them loose, Gacy asked. Lynch couldn't. When he sat the boy down in a straight-back chair, Gacy straddled him and got in his lap. He began rubbing Lynch's thighs. The youth drew his drew in his legs, dumping Gacy on the floor. Gacy then rolled a cot onto the room and pushed Lynch down on it. He put another chain on the youth's feet and began choking him. Lynch struggled and then lost control of his bladder. He decided to pretend that he blacked out and lay perfectly still. Gacy eased up and then became concerned when Lynch didn't move. Are you all right? He asked the boy, who was dazed. Gacy agreed to take him home. That was one of the lucky ones. Just minor torture. So another boy, Robert Donnelly, he was 19, a little old for Gacy's taste. He didn't know Gacy prior. He was, he was coming from a friend's house around midnight. This was December 30th. This is the turn of the new year. They were just drinking, having fun. And then after midnight, he walks to a nearby bus stop and there pulls up Gacy. Now, Gacy had this long-ass dark-colored car the sedan-looking car that looked like a police car. It had literally police lights on it, and Gacy had a badge. On the way to his house, he, he was boasting that he was a police officer. So this is one of Gacy's victims. I'm going to put his interview into the story so you guys can really get a sense of what the victims went through. This is a survivor. He doesn't want to be named or anything and this was actually posted by Inside Edition May 11th, 2019, so just a few months ago. And this is basically what the victims went through. And he showed me his gun and his car. It looked like a police car, like an unmarked police car. It had a spotlight and everything. And when you oh. creep up to someone, as he did with this boy, and he asked for his – Gacy asked for his identification – when you do that, these boys are young and stupid. They don't – I mean if someone did that to me, I'd be like, um, let me see your identification or, or, you know. Right. Make sure you're a legit officer. Make sure he's a cop because, number one, he's not in uniform. So he actually asked the boy's identification. Then he pulls out his revolver and says, you better get in a car. Now, this kid still thinks he's a cop and, in fact, the entire time thought he was a cop, even after all the stuff he's been through. And then when he looks at the back of his license plate that says PDM, the license plate, PDM, Paint, Decoration, and Maintenance, his company, PDM company. Okay. His contracting company. I mean, that sounds like a, a police name, PDM, right? Kind of. Kind of, yeah. yeah. With this guy, Donnelly, he was a survivor, Robert Donnelly. He forces him into the car. He tells him to get out of the car, and he walks him to his recreational room in the house. Now, Gacy's all alone at this time, just with the boy. And this is what goes down. Gacy goes, pours himself a drink, and as always, he pours the victim a drink too. And he gets real pissed if they say, no, I don't want to drink or anything. And this is what mm. went on with that. All right. So who wants to read this one? I feel like if he asks who wants to read it's probably not that bad because he knows that i won't volunteer for something <laughs> so he figures that you'll just uh, end up reading it john uh, i've known you long enough to know how you operate 
I'm 35 years old, he said as he went to the bar and poured himself a drink, but people don't respect me. Gacy had two or three drinks out of the bottle, then offered Donnelly one. The youth refused. Have it anyway, Gacy said. He says, have it anyway. Have it anyway, Gacy said, splashing the drink in his face. (laughs) Girls are ungrateful to me, even though I have money, Gacy continued. Women are hung up on looks, and that's all. He again offered Donnelly a drink, and the youth again refused. Drink it anyway, you ungrateful bastard, he said, grabbing Donnelly by the throat and pouring it down. When someone offers you something, you should take it. Gacy picked up the gun and walked over and uncuffed Donnelly. I don't want to shoot, he said, but I will if I have to. This house is soundproof. Now, at this point, this youth is still scared. He probably kind of figures he's not a cop, but he doesn't know what he's getting into. So Gacy starts drinking, splashes the liquor into the boy's face, and then brandishing the gun at the same time, tells this kid to put on the handcuffs himself, which he does. What if somebody comes, Donnelly asked. Gacy slapped him with the back of one hand. I told you, people don't respect me, Gacy said in a tough voice. You don't either. Yeah, I, ought- I need that. <laughs> I ought to kill you now. Gacy put... This for the podcast. <laughs> Gacy pushed up Donnelly onto the couch, sat on his back, and pulled his head up by the hair. Donnelly screamed. Shut up, Gacy said, slamming the youth's head down. Gacy pulled Donnelly's pants down, forced his knees apart, and raped him. Donnelly struggled, then momentarily passed out. When Gacy was finished, he held Donnelly by his shoulders. If you fight me now, he said, I'll kill you. He got up and told the youth to pull his pants up, then grabbed him by the handcuffs and led him into the bathroom. The tub was already full of water. Gacy shoved Donnelly's face into the wall, slipped a rope around his neck, and twisted it. This is a lot of fun, huh? Gacy said. He alternately twisted the rope and banged Donnelly's head against the wall. How does this feel? Gacy asked. He then tripped Donnelly, knocking him to the floor, then pulled him up on his knees. Gacy shoved the boy's head into the water, holding onto the rope. Donnelly tried to hold his breath, then passed out. So the reason we're looking at these victim stories is to see what his psychology, don't think about the actual brutalness of it. It is brutal, but you can see how he's very insecure about himself. He said, you know, women don't respect me. You know, when when someone offers you something, drink it. So you can tell his psychology a little bit. He talks about people only like you for your look. Exactly. So he's very insecure. This is what I when I opened up. I said this case is more of John Wayne Gacy versus himself Mm -hmm. because he's trying to fit a certain mold in society and he's not making it happen. You know, so he's taken out all his failures and aggressions on his victims. You see what I'm saying? Like the way he controls them and stuff like that. After this went down, this kid's head is being banged against a bathroom wall. It's being shoved in the tub. He's being choked out. He's passed out a few times. Here's where you really see the control aspect with John Wayne Gacy. After this happens and this boy who's been raped by now and, you know, sexually assaulted violently i might add he comes to again after being unconscious he's still tied up with handcuffs on his wrist and gacy's just sitting there now this is probably an hour and a half after and gacy looks at him and says hmm i wonder what game we can play next wow yeah so then he pulls out his revolver and he says (gasps) 
Let's play some Russian roulette. Uh-oh. I can't make a clown. Oh, he's, he wasn't in clown attire, but let's play some Russian roulette. Kind of sounds like what he would sound like. He goes over to the boy. Now, the boy is saying, just kill me. Just kill me already. Just get it over with. I know what's going to happen. Just kill me. Just kill me. Because the whole time, John Gacy's like, yeah, you're going to die tonight. I mean, you're not living. I'm not just going to let you go. You know, so the psychology and the victim is like, fuck, I'm going to die and I'm getting tortured. Like, I can't even imagine putting myself in that. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah. Like they were, he was screaming for him to just kill him already. But that makes it worse because. But that's he, what he wants. Yeah. Yeah. Gacy gets enjoyment from their suffering. So, mm. he, you know, it's best like that. The first one where you kind of black, yeah. blacked out and pretend, and pretended to black out. And he was like, okay, well, you know. Yeah, that's what I've been finding. And a lot of these stories, even Ted Bundy at one point, one of his victims, the one one of them that survived, said that she, because they're feeding off the fear and everything else in these victims. Yeah. But then she kind of went a different route, even though she was getting tortured and she was about to die. She asked, you know, Bundy, you know, what's wrong, you know? What's going on? Like, and just took a different tone and completely the pattern that was going on just completely Mm -hmm. just got cut, you know, and now they're. It makes their brain. Yes. What they're doing. Stop and go a different direction than where they were headed. So I'm not saying that's what to do. I'm not saying that's the best thing to do. But I mean, after reading all these stories, there's a lot of victims out there that either. Play dead. I mean, think about the I five killer we just did. Remember, she was playing dead when when he goes into the Trans America building. The one victim was playing dead when the other one was screaming, and and this her screaming was just agitating the guy. Yeah, know? they don't want easy kill. Exactly. Like they don't want if you're if yeah you're, you know or if they think that you're already dead that doesn't. So I'm not saying that to do that, but if you're never in that situation, maybe you should think about it, trying to. To disrupt, I, I guess the the current path. Yeah, you know. Anyway, all right. So he goes over to the boy. Let's play some Russian roulette. Oh, that doesn't sound like him. So he pulls out his revolver. You guys know what Russian roulette is, yeah. right? Yes. He spins the chamber. Now he shows the kid. There's a bullet in there. One bullet. You know, six six slots on mm-hmm. the chamber. One bullet. Spin that thing around. I can't do a spinning sound. There's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a version of the game, and I don't know what country it is, but maybe it's Polish roulette when it's, um, it's five five chambers have bullets and one's empty. I said Did that like we, the last episode. I, Jen. Oh, that's I, that's why <laughs> I heard it. I, I, I was like, I think we talked. I about literally this. said, I, I don't know what country it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, said I think everything. it's like Chinese I didn't, or something. I didn't. I knew I heard it somewhere, but I didn't remember where <laughs> yeah. it was. That's funny because we do, we do this all. Well, well, so we don't you know do what listen we say. to this podcast. We don't know what we say when we're <laughs> drunk as fuck. All right, he spins the chamber, and then he says, "Quote: This is what he says. You know what? Girls are just no fun to kill." And he points. Mm-hmm. He puts his right on his temple. He puts the barrel right on the temple. Of, of his own? Of, the, of Donnelly, of okay. the guy that's handcuffed, oh. screaming, just kill me, kill me. Now they're playing Russian roulette. Puts it right up against his tipple. Pulls the trigger. Click! All right. Whew. Spins the chamber again. That was a shitty sound of a chamber spinning. 
Yeah, that was probably better. Spins it again. You know, puts the barrel against the temple again. Click! And then he says, you know what? Guys are more interesting to kill. He's still talking about girls aren't no fun to kill. Which, you keep that in mind. He says girls are no fun to kill, yet they found 33 men Yet he was has convicted he of 33. Exactly. Tried? I don't know. Maybe he has killed women. No one knows. I mean, he's dead now. Hmm. He spins the chamber again. Puts a barrel against Donnelly's head. Bang! You're dead. It was a blank. And the fucking gun. It made the sound of a real bullet, but there was no gunpowder. It was a blank. Holy shit. That's fucking stressful. <laughs> okay. Then I mean, I said this guy he gets let go. Yeah. Well, that's why I was confused. Yeah. yeah. So he actually lives. Gacy drops him off after this. Now I do want to say bye. Have fun. Well, here's what say he said. Hi to your mom and dad. You're probably one of the few that ever got away alive. How did you do it? I don't know. Well, I told him I wanted to go back to my car, and he said, "Well, okay, I got to go to church anyway, so I'll give you a ride back." No, here's what he said. He said, you know what? Cops aren't going to believe you. And in fact, Gacy did get arrested for it, but the charges did get dropped for this because Gacy's like, yeah, yeah, we did have sex. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bondage and everything else. Yeah, it's kind of a thing, you know, BDSM. You know, there's I mean, he asked for it. It was consensual. Gun? What gun? There was no gun. He's lying about that. You know, here's what probably happened. He just it was his first time having a homosexual experience. And now he's. He's all up in his head. He feels guilty. He doesn't know how to tell his parents, you know, and now he's just trying to find a way out of it. So he's saying wow. that I raped him and stuff like that, you know. Oh, would wow. you cops mind? You guys want to drink or anything? Wow. I mean, yeah, exactly. He got away scot-free. All right. Anyway. And, and because he was such a regarded member of the community at the time, they the cops were probably like, yeah. oh, that makes sense. But you would also think that with his past sodomy charge that it they would take maybe a closer look. Also, keep in mind, as Jen said, he wasn't just, yeah, he was a prominent member of the community, but he was also a big donator ah. to charitable causes, to the police functions. Let's say the city needed a new sidewalk. PDM may, you know, foot the bill. Let's say the police precinct needs some new vest or a new squad car. John Wayne Gacy helps provide that. You see what I'm saying? When he got caught, that's when all the people that took donations from him were like, oh, fuck, I shouldn't have took that damn donation. Mm. That's when you have, you know, the President Carter's wife like, fuck, shouldn't have took that picture. You know, shit like yeah. that. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, this is uh, who wants to read this? Jen, do you want to read this? Because <laughs> it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> uh isn't it fun screaming when nobody can hear you? Gacy asked when Donnelly woke up, still gagged. Gacy began playing again with the dildo in Donnelly's rectum. When Donnelly showed signs of great pain, Gacy took the gag off but warned him not to scream. Why don't you just kill me and get it over with, youth gasped. Yeah, it wasn't that bad, Jen. So there's two victims right there that got away. So you can kind of see what these victims were going through. It is kind of surprising that he would let some go. But it almost plays to the fact... It, it it almost plays into what he was saying to the cops when they did question him about it 
because he was so prominent and they were more likely to believe him and you know so maybe he let them go just to like so that he would get the satisfaction of getting away with it if they did report it maybe but more so that like I I don't know. I I thought of it in my head, but now I can't even think of the direction I was going. Kind of what you were saying. But he knew that they would, at least one of them would go to the police, but because it was so outlandish in comparison with the persona that he showed out in public mm. that um they wouldn't they wouldn't believe mm. the claims. Gotcha. Okay. It was it would be different if he flat out denied no, I would never rape anyone, and they looked at his sodomy charge. But since he had a sodomy charge, it's not mm. out of the ordinary for you know, you know, him to say, "Oh, well, you had relations with this young man," and it makes more sense from his his yeah, that's excuse. true. In is in his own mind. Like trying yeah. to get into his, you know, you see what I'm trying yeah. to say. Well, it's almost impossible to get into his own mind. I can't even figure this guy out. It's fucking crazy. Let's talk about his upgrowing. Upbringing? Upbringing. Let's talk about his upbringing. <laughs> upgrowing. <laughs> All right. Born March 17th, 1942 in Chicago, Illinois. I, we didn't talk about this last time, did we? His upbringing? I don't um, think so. We talked, we talked a little, a little bit, bit about his dad, but. Now, I talked a little bit last episode that he was a sickly boy. And that was true. And the father was like a man's man. Like, I want my son to play football, you know. Right. You know, not be on the debate club. Right. You know, or win a geography bee. <coughs> so. Or be attracted to other men. Yeah. Well, that was unthinkable at the time. That's not, mm-hmm. that like wasn't even an option. Mm-hmm. All right. So from the Chicago uh, Tribune, this is a paper from December 31st, 1978, when the uh, sister of John Wayne Gacy, one of the sisters, was interviewed. Quote, Gacy was always a dotting brother or doting. Dotting? Doting. Is it one T or two? One T. Doting. Quote, Gacy was always a doting brother. John Gacy had a decent childhood experience, save for his alcoholic father. He was a normal kid, a Boy Scout, who loved his dog, played with train sets, went to Catholic mass regularly, and worked in the family garden. Now, I do want to say a lot of killers have this, and I am linking a study on talk murder from a, a, a group of researchers at the University of Glassjaw, Glasgow. What is Glasgow. it? Glasgow, the neurodevelopmental and psychosocial risk factors, risk factors in serial killers and mass murderers. There's a few factors this study points out, highlights, is a lot of these killers, the ones that were researched had ASD, which means they fall on the autism spectrum, had head injuries, and experienced psychosocial stressors, such as an alcoholic father that punches your mom so hard it breaks half her teeth out. John Gacy suffered from blackout spells. He actually hit his head when he was 11 years old, and the doctors didn't even know until 16. And it actually produced a blood clot in his brain. So from 11 to 16 years old, he's walking around with a blood clot in his brain, and he didn't even know about it. That's a a prime developmental time. Yeah. Young adolescence. Hmm. So. Interesting. Yeah, and I think it has some sort of play in here. But at 16, they finally... 
figured it out. And that's what caused his John Gacy. When he gets really stressed, he'll black out. Ah, and he's like me. A lot of the psychology behind this is he never really fit correctly into the social environment because he couldn't play football because he had the blackouts and stuff like that. He didn't really find himself fitting in society very well, which may play into his workaholicism, you know, Mm -hmm. when he was an adult. Does that make sense? And I think I do think the blood clot is an interesting component to how he was brought up. I mean, you said that that was a key developmental. Well, yeah, your brain isn't fully developed until age 25. Wow. What kind of reminds me of that movie concussion that we were like the, if your brain is hit, it could, you know, not to say that it like, Oh, if you get a concussion, you're going to end up being a killer by no means, but that's a pretty substantial thing to have him impact like, you just don't know how that could have changed his development. It was actually very widely believed that this guy was insane. Well. Because of one reason. No sane person would kill 33 boys and stuff them under their house. Okay. Yeah, that smell. That is really insane. That's what most people were thinking. You know what I'm saying? Like, Who this guy's right got to be out of his yeah. mind. And and that's a big thing because you don't know how close it came to this guy walking. Or not walking, but not getting executed and, and maybe even being out. Because they thought he was Because they thought mentally. he was saying They thought something was wrong with his mentally, mind. They thought he was insane. Mentally so ill. So here's the, with the case, which we'll get into. Is this the defense attorney... His defense attorneys were pushing that he was mentally insane and that he had no recollection of any of this. But he confessed. But he confessed. But I'll tell you why in a second. And then the prosecutor is like, no, this guy is just evil. He's not insane. He's just an evil man. What I suggested to them was that if they allowed that man, John Gacy, to walk the earth, then indeed God help us all. This newspaper here is... This is from the Pantograph from 1994. This basically shows the public sentiment. They, they basically went around and asked everyone, should this guy be executed or should he be get life in prison? And surprisingly, a lot of people, and I'll put this, I'll link this article, but surprisingly, a lot of people said he shouldn't be executed because he was insane. Because you don't stuff 33 bodies under your house. That's not something even a regular serial killer would do. There's something wrong with his brain. Like, people were thinking that. So it was actually extremely close for him getting off scot-free. And, in fact, he was really confident that he'd beat this case. Wow. And, I mean, this it's not like a Ted Bundy but, thing. It's like, you, all right, you, like, literally did all this. You're going to, At you least know. in the United States. Not, listen, I don't talk about Canada. But if you're so... Oh, like, if it was Canada. He had been out he, a long time ago. Like, he still did the murders, you know? So when you're mentally insane, do you just get locked up in a mental facility? Like, a yeah. Pr- yeah. mental pr- prison, basically. Yeah. Instead of a regular prison? Like a psych ward. A. Arthur Hartman, the chief psychologist for the Cook County Court System, testified Gacy was not insane. Now, he ultimately recommended him as being guilty and conscious of all his crimes, But he says it was more at the deeper levels why he committed these crimes. Quote, 
He is very egocentric and narcissistic with a basically antisocial exploitative orientation. Gacy was a con man. Mm-hmm. He would con people even when he wasn't killing people. You know, he he was a hustler and a con man. Hartman described Gacy as, quote, having severe underlying psychosexual conflict and confusion of sexual identity. That's what I was bringing up earlier. Like, mate, this whole case is not him versus the world. It's him versus himself. Like, he, he, does, he thinks homosexuality is a sin. And, in fact, when he got locked up the first time for sodomy, he was the head of the kitchen, remember? They put someone who was openly homosexual into the kitchen and he protested. He said, I don't want any homosexual working in the kitchen because of what it might do to the food. He was what it might do to the food or whatever, you know, like he protested and he got the guy sent away from the kitchen in prison. No one thought he was homosexual Hmm. and he would bash people who were. And even to the day he died, he, he didn't think of himself as a homosexual. Wow. At all. That's what I'm saying. It's kind of a him versus himself mentality. And that's what, quote, severe underlying psychosexual conflict, which probably came from his dad. Deeply religious family, Catholic. I mean, you're Catholic, Jen. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not trying to make fun. But what do they think of homosexuals now? Are they still? Well, I mean. Well, think about it in in the 70s. What do they think back then? Well, Well, I wasn't alive in the 70s. I mean, but. Homosexuality was viewed as a sin. Nowadays, they're a little bit more accepting that people, you know, people can be homosexual. They just look down on you participating in homosexual acts um, and you you cannot get married in a Catholic church if you're homosexual. Like you cannot have a homosexual wedding because this is because it's a sacrament. So um, as the sacrament, the definition of the sacrament of matrimony is between a man and a woman. I always felt that service to community and community service to others, you know, in my religious background, I felt if you serve other people, it, it'll come back to serve you. You know, I've always believed that way with generosity. Yeah. So growing, being born in 1942, going to Catholic mass, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he's, I mean, he's hearing all of that. Type of language too, where he's probably that it's a sin and whatnot. Right. Even if it's not coming from like the church. Yeah, I mean, and others around it's, it. It's it's interesting because I don't know how other, you know, faiths work per se. Being a lifelong Catholic, but it's not as much fire and brimstone as others. I believe, like we don't like. You know what I mean? Would you would you say that's a little bit? I wouldn't say we're like that extreme about right. It. Yeah, so let me say that quote again from uh, the psychologist. Severe underlying psychosexual conflict and confusion of sexual identity. So maybe he's killing these boys because he's guilty. He feels guilty, at least, you know, like ashamed. And it's kind of funny that if you read more into the psychology, the uh, psych- one of the psychologists warned the police that Someone who does these types of acts and has done all this will most likely end his own life. And sure enough, they found him in his prison cell with a towel wrapped around his neck. They they didn't let him take his own life, but it's it's kind of eerie hmm. that the psychologist was so accurate that he wow. called that, you know. Interesting. Because and it wasn't like he feels so much guilt. It's is guilt, yeah, and it's just 
But not necessarily about the murders. About it's about the sexual thing. It's weird. I'm telling you, I couldn't figure out this guy's psychology at all. You know, he. The, and I think it's also important to note he is also a pedophile. Like it's not just like he doesn't have just this one aspect that he's he maybe should feel guilty about. I don't know if he's such a pedophile as if. Well, he knew he couldn't do. Technically, he is. I mean, he is, but it, he did it like as an opportunist. Like maybe right? he right. knew he could control these kids. I'd like he couldn't think, overpower yes. a full-grown man. Exactly, mean? and because he was he was a weakly guy. Like he's not a very strong man, right? Maybe, and also younger kids, especially if they were looking up to him and exactly. thinking that they were gonna um, be able to get something out of their relationship with him, not necessarily mm-hmm. sexually, obviously they didn't know yeah. that at the time, but you know, yep. as far as opportunities that they would be more willing to do whatever he said. Yep. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he liked having younger boys, but I mean, you know, we're, we're t- some of these boys are 19, 20. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I wouldn't consider him like a subway Jared kind of pedophile, you right. know? Now I, I do want to quickly point out the four Johns. This is important. John the Contractor, John the Clown, John the Politician, and Jack Hanley, the Killer. Now, this goes into— Oh, I forgot we you, you just touched on this last episode. Yeah, so this goes into the whole thing I was just talking about with the psychologist. Now, this is the same guy, Ar- Arthur Hartman. He says that Gacy's denial of guilt—Gacy's denial of guilt through the use of Jack Hanley appeared— to be, quote, a conscious, evasive device, no scientifically valid decision in consciousness, memory, or identity could be observed as between John Gacy and his Jack Hanley. You see what I'm saying? It, it's it's the same thing we just saw with that Talos guy. And even when we're talking He's to the, it. the Buy Proxy girls with yeah, uh, remember, Go to John. Remember how I was saying if you dissociate you know by identity disorder, yeah, so, it's not... They try to fake yeah. it so well that they overdo it. Yeah, and I don't know. I feel like Go to John and all of them are, are trying to – they're doing it because it's cool. I think in my personal opinion, John Gacy did it because he didn't He didn't even want to be associated with those homosexual acts. I mean because you got four ah. – he considered himself four different people. John the Clown, John the Contractor, John the Politician, and then Jack Hanley, completely different name as the one that commits all the homosexual killings. Ah. Completely, you know what I'm saying? I, and again, it's like it's almost like it's more important to know that he, this guy did the homosexual things. Yeah, it's this case drives me crazy, and because it's the psychology is immense. Well, I think it's sh- like he's not just a, yeah, he has mental problems, yeah. but like he's a murderer. He's trying to make an excuse and say, "Oh, it wasn't me. It was my yeah. alter ego," and that's just fucking bullshit, right? Maybe, not according to some other psychiatrists, but now I would continue. Hartman's diagnostic impression, I'm still reading from Killer Clown, of Gacy was, quote, a psychopathic antisocial personality with sexual deviation. Now I'm throwing out these words because we have some talkers primos that are interested in psychology, and I am too, but I don't claim to know what half of these fucking things mean. Right, Jen can explain them, but I can't. I'm just telling you what they are, what the diagnoses were. Well, I know, so antisocial personality kind of goes in. This may come into play when he was a kid, too. Remember, he, he was always passing out and he was sick. He couldn't play football. He didn't 
one, one psychiatrist said he didn't form those social bonds that are necessary. That's what I want to say earlier. Mm-hmm. Those necessary social bonds early in life that you need to function well in society. You, you see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because he didn't play sports. Because he didn't do but yeah. but you don't develop that because you didn't do sports. It's right. like you, you like he didn't I have didn't a desire. Sports. He didn't have a desire to form those bonds. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So he was actively antisocial. Also, uh, one a couple more uh, quote: hysterical personality and minor compulsive and paranoid personality elements. Seems like a lot of shit. Now, of course, the defense, his defense. Now, his attorneys, they actually hired their own doctor. To give an examination. This guy's name was Richard Rappaport. He concluded that Gacy, and this will be the remainder of the direction we're heading, is, quote, insane at the time of the alleged crime. He's not saying, all right, this guy's insane because he buried 33 bodies in his basement. No, he's saying this guy was insane while he was killing them. He was also insane while he was digging these holes and burying them. Not insane like crazy, but insane like he he had no idea who he was, where he was. It was almost like he blacked out. So they so the, their doctor is cl- is claiming that he did have the dissociative episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's interesting because you have the confession from the the victim, the survivors, the two survivors, right? And it seemed like he was lucid when he was interacting with them. It's not like when, – like when, when you're in a dissociative state, you don't – you're like in a totally different world. Well, that's a good point. And there's a catalyst involved, which when I started doing more and more research on this, there was a catalyst for John Gacy, which we'll talk about in a second. But Rappaport's findings were based on 65 hours of his own interviews with Gacy's – with Gacy – and he basically claimed at the time of the crimes, he had no control and couldn't remember afterward anything that happened. He says that Gacy actually has more than one personality, okay? And that is Jack Hanley, of course. So he was agreeing with him. This is his diagnosis. When Gacy is, quote, under particularly stressful conditions, especially when he is indulging in alcohol or drugs— and there's a study I'm going to talk about that they did with Gacy where they basically got him drunk. I'm going to talk about that in a second. At these times, he loses control over his defenses as inhibitions are removed and the underlying psychological conflicts are expressed in the concrete form of acting out. All that shit I talked about earlier about, about his growing up and his alcoholic father and his not forming societal bonds and all this shit in his brain, once he gets under the influence of drugs or alcohol, that plays out and he doesn't have any control over it. That is what he is saying here. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he has a psychological disorder. When you when you are under the influence of drugs or alcohol, you you do lose inhibition. Some people have right. are better at controlling it than others. Yeah, but you don't he's saying he lost inhibition and killed all these boys but is that really his fault because he didn't do it consciously yeah it it is because you're when you're you're engaging in activities of drinking and doing drugs you you take the you are at risk of you're you're responsible for your behaviors when you're doing that because you consciously made the decision to do those activities but if he didn't know Uh let's say you get drunk and then you kill someone 
and you don't remember it, even though he's buried in your, your backyard or under your basement. Is it your fault if you keep doing it when you keep getting drunk? Because you don't know what happens. If you get drunk and you cheat on your girlfriend and you don't remember it, are you responsible for cheating on your girlfriend? I know. I'm saying this. Not, ca- that was I, like, you know, that I'm not saying general. guilty or innocence. I'm saying like death penalty or not. Like, is he? Hmm. Let me tell you about this one thing. All right. Now, Gacy, the doctor said, fit to a high degree the following characteristics. Borderline personality disorder. Intense effects such as angry eruptions or impulsive manner. He was very impulsive. Usually hostile or depressive. Depression characterized by loneliness rather than guilt or shame. A history of impulsive behavior. A lack of integrated identity or self-concept. Difficulty with self-image and gender identity, which we talked about. Superficial, interpersonal, and chaotic sexual relationships. And the use of primitive ego defense mechanisms such as splitting, projective identification, and gross denial. All right. That's a bunch of words. But let me, let me talk about the study because the study is so fascinating what they did. Because I, I don't think they do this nowadays, but this is fucking crazy when I read this. The reason I was trying to paint a picture is, is he guilty or insane? It's because at the time, no one's ever done this. No one has buried 33 yeah. bodies under their basement. Kind of unique situation here. Mm-hmm. That's why the, the society, that's why they went out and did all these interviews with people. Regular people. Should he be killed? Like, is he guilty? Is he insane? Well, like, going, what the fuck? Going back to my ar- my argument before about, you know, if you if you get under the influence and you have an affair, mm-hmm. if you get a woman pregnant, should you be responsible for child support for that child? You're responsible for your actions, whether yeah. you're under an influence or not. Just Could because you, actively- you aren't, like, just because you you aren't in the right state of mind, it, you still did it. Right. Like you actively – all right. So when before you drink and you're sober, you're not thinking, well, I'm going to go and kill somebody tonight or I'm going to go and have an affair. But you have – you know, you, you want to have a good time. You have a few drinks. You have a few too many drinks and you're like – And they you know, do say sober – drunken actions are sober thoughts. Yeah. I, I know it's like, wow, he's so guilty. Put him to death. But there was literally – Headbutts here between well, the two sides. Yeah, like, I'm not saying okay. put him to death. I'm, I'm yeah. just trying to point the picture here or paint the picture because even the judge is like the judge was ordering all these psychiatry tests because, like, I mean, no one's ever done this. No one's seen this before. Yeah, this like, isn't something this that happens. Can't possibly be you know? in their right mind. It's like the guys. Uh, if you think of like the first school shooting, they're like these guys must be insane. But now a school shooting is like, oh, there's another one guilty. You know. But at the time, it's something that just blew your mind because you never thought anyone was capable of that. Well, what if he what if he sobered up after and found the bodies there and then put them under the under the crawl space? That is the opposing argument. Uh. Oh, yeah. OK. He may have blacked out during the killings, but he buried the bodies under his fucking house. Like, there's no way that this <laughs> guy blackout drunk is going to be able to dig a crawl space. Dude, and, like, you do not know how close it came for him to be an innocent. I promise you. All right. This wow. is what the Rappaport says to the judge. An irresistible impulse, which was allowed expression by the loss of ego controls under the influence of alcohol, drugs, extreme fatigue, which he had. Remember, he was a workaholic. They saw him going Driving his car always, even at 3.30 in the morning working. Workaholic. Extreme stress all the time. He seemed to have a problem. Yet then, then later on, the light would come on on the outside. 
And then it'd be two, three in the morning or four in the morning. He'd go back out to jump in the car and off he'd go again. Those were the hours that he carried on. But I thought it was business. But it, it probably was some of this foul play, maybe bringing some of these young people. Uh, extreme... But was that feigned? Was he actually really working at that yeah, time? Yeah, yeah. He's a workaholic. There was no doubt about it. This guy was a workaholic. Well, what if he said he was working when he was actually going to scope out and find bodies and uh, victims? Maybe. All right. At 3.30 in the morning. Extreme fatigue and the stress of psychological conflicts within him. His victims were representations of these conflicts. It was at these particular instances that he was unable, as in he couldn't control it. To conform his conduct to the requirements of the law. So he's basically saying, if you break it down, was it really his fault? Now, even though Gacy knew that squeezing a neck could cause death, Rappaport believed that he could, quote, justify his behavior to himself as a warranted act. It thus conformed to his private code of morality. Yeah, but you shouldn't be judged guilty or innocent based on your own private code of morality. It's That's the right. system of the court. That's the, you know, the law, the Constitution. You you can't just because, you know, I think it's OK to, you know, squeeze someone's neck, you know, for for instance. And that's, you know, my private code of morality. That's not what the laws that we function as and as as a country. Let me get to uh, the study. This is fucking fascinating. They got that report back and basically said, all right, he's, quote, unable, unable, okay, to conform his conduct to the requirements of the law. Then he needs you to don't be put not away. Wanna, you do not want to tell a jury that. So they got a rebuttal and they actually contacted the Chicago Rush Presbyterian St. Luke, Luke's Medical Center and they took Gacy in. With several staff members, all PhDs and psychiatrists, all this stuff. Here's what it boils down to. Was Gacy aware that he was killing these kids at the time? Because you've seen the victim. He yes. was up to the point of him killing them, but he didn't. Right. He okay. Knew, he knew what he was doing. Did he? All right, listen. Now, this is the prosecutor's. They hooked him up to an alcohol electrosynlophogram. Basically, that measures brain waves. Um, I can't pronounce it. Electromac- Electro-nacephalogram. You want to look at it? electro They know what that is. Yeah. Within a period of 75 minutes, the examiners gave Gacy six ounces of 100-proof scotch whiskey while, they were, while he was hooked up to this EEG reader testing his brain waves. Now, this – remember, this is the prosecution – as a They're rebuttal trying to study show that, that he was conscious. Yeah, that he, even though he was wasted, yeah. can still make a conscious Boom. decision. Check this out. All right. It's actually kind of brilliant. An hour. Unless it backfired on them, but. An hour after the test. This is fucking fascinating. Gacy vomited and showed significant signs of inebriation. Now, although, now this is, I'm reading still from the book, Killer Clown. Although the test was conducted at the psychiatrist institute, psychiatric institute, Gacy got the notion that he and the examiner were sitting in a hotel room and the two should have a few more drinks and do a little cruising. Now, this is real, real shit. He showed no cognizance, 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 what is it? Cognizance. He showed no cognizance of the examiner's identity 
and he actually professed to believe that it was December 1978. Under questioning, he has no recollection of any crimes he was charged with or having been incarcerated for in 11 months. This was 11 months after he was in prison. Okay. After about a half an hour, he tried to leave the the hotel, not the hotel room, the psychiatrist institute and he was brought back in full leather restraints. He didn't even know, and this showed in his brainwaves. It's not like he's lying, oh, yeah, let's go do some cruising. No, this was in his brainwaves. They had a machine hooked up to him. He had no idea where he was. He completely thought it was a different year, and he thought he was in a hotel room with this random dude, and they're about to go cruising for some some new meat. Quote Pee Wee Gaskins. That's not good for the Fuck prosecution. No. <laughs> Shit, that is the exact opposite of what they wanted to say. But here's the thing, though, like he when he did his cruise and it was before he was inebriated, right? How do you know? Well, how how can you tell that he he wasn't drunk the entire because he's he did a lot of drugs a lot all the time, Mm -hmm. drugs and drinking all the time. No, I started back in 1984. I started taking 10 milligram of Valium. And by the time 1978 came around, I was doing 130 milligram of Valium. But then I was moving 80 jobs a year, and I was working 16, 18-hour days, and I, I just had to have something to take the pressure off. Yeah, but you think that he would have been – there would be records of him being stopped for reckless driving or something like that. If he Not was... if you're paying off the cops, paying off the cops, donating. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that new cruiser. You know, you know I paid for that, right? And, or that like the maybe the survivors would be able to make a judgment on how – drunk they they thought he was mm-hmm. quote this is what the study found the defendant's degree of intoxication could be so extreme that recollection of some or all of the details of what transpired could be in fact missing <laughs> but that doesn't mean he didn't do it <laughs> no correct exactly but oh he did it but can you can you hold but someone accountable if he shows un- he does? A- All right. Yeah. Here's the thing with that. So here's where Gacy messes up. Because then he's like, it's not like he's like, I had no idea. He's confessed to all these murders and he could smell the fucking dead bodies underneath his floorboards. Here is where Gacy ultimately messes up when the police finally confront him and he confesses because Gacy confessed before they even. I mean, they pulled out like two bodies and he's like, oh, yeah, there's like 30 under there. Right. Casual. Yeah. So he actually drew a map out for the detectives, which I put the map on talkmore.com of where the bodies were. And when he was in the house, he actually drew a stick figure on the floor of where another body is to extreme detail. He sprayed a stick figure. With the orange spray can in the garage, not just a mark, a stick figure showing the orientation of the body right underneath that stick figure, exactly where he drew it, pointed in the direction he drew it, was the body of John Buckingham. How would he be able to do that? There you go, Mm. if he Mm. blacked out. But that may have really hurt him. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. He confessed to it, yes, but, like, all these bodies are in his house. There's no way, no denying it. But I yeah. get the whole m- insanity plea. But, yeah, he screwed himself. He he may may have been able to talk some folks into that. Yeah, I just think the uh, that whole shit is just fucking fascinating. Yeah, that's really me. crazy. And it's also just an interesting kind of argument for future cases. Like, I'm wondering, 
other cases, not that maybe not that we've done, but other maybe famous cases out there where people are claiming like they were so drunk that they didn't even know that they killed somebody or something. Gacy had 33 indictments. Not all of them he could be put to death for because remember the Furman versus Georgia case, the case that also affected Pee Wee Gaskins and we were talked about it came into effect, which basically reinstated the death penalty. Uh, the whole trial lasted about five weeks, February 6, 1980. More than 100 witnesses came. The defense arguing that he was insane, out of control while the killing happened. This picture right here is, I'm putting this on Talk Murder, I pulled from a very old newspaper. It basically shows Gacy showing no sign of emotion and actually winking at the bailiff when he's being carried out. This is the picture. It's pretty impressive. It's pretty, pretty uh, cool. Little old find I found there. A reporter from the Chicago Tribune stated that, quote, even after the most damaging testimony, he was perfectly nonchalant. And as soon as the jury would leave the courtroom, he would immediately reach for a cigar and ask the bailiff for a match. He light his cigar and throw the match on the floor and then saunter back to the holding zone. The jury didn't buy the insanity plea. Thank God. Um, they only de- they deliberated for an hour and 45 minutes. On March 13th, it's 19- not a long deliberation mm-hmm. for a, that long oh, of a trial. Yeah. I mean, they thought it'd be a lot longer. Gacy thought he was going to get off scot free. And I'm telling you that the reason these newspapers did all these interviews because everyone thought he was not thought he was, but thought he would. The the whole thing was this guy was crazy because no one buries 30 something bodies under your, you know, if you're going to kill somebody, go. Dump them somewhere else. Don't bury them on your house. Like, are you fucking kidding me? You know? And the fact that Gacy works all these construction sites, it's not like he doesn't have anywhere to bury these damn bodies. So February 6th, 1980, the trial began. It was 100 witnesses, five weeks. Um, The jury deliberated an hour and 45 minutes. On March 13th, 1980, he was sentenced to death. For 12 of the murders, he waited 14 years on death row. Right towards the end of his execution, he was trying to say that he it wasn't him and, you know, it would be on your conscience if you put an innocent man to death. I mean, he, you could tell he was scared. He was about to die. When they paint the image that I was this monster who, who picked up, like, these altar boys along the street and swatted them like flies, I said, this is ludicrous. If they want to be convinced or brainwashed into what they believe, then find and go ahead and kill me. But vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, because you will have executed somebody that didn't commit the crime. Yeah. I'm not only the victim here. I, I, may, I may be the 34th victim, but there are other victims to this crime. And that is the family. Because if I know that I didn't commit the crime, then I have been given the injustice. And so is the families. And nobody gives a damn about the families. And he also drew a lot of paintings and shit, which are some are really good. This here is the uh, the High Ho series, and th- and that is uh, self-explanatory. It's the Seven Dwarfs, and they've always stuck to me as a, as a great child painting. And so I've done a series of High Ho series paintings, and this is a 1990 one. This is called High Ho Around the Campfire. It's it's an original work. Walt Disney is a mentor for me because I I've always enjoyed his great creativity and the uh, the seven dwarfs if you actually look at all the faces they represent uh, the the seven different moods that most people can get into he was sentenced to death just after midnight may 10th 1994 he was put to death his final meal was fried chicken remember he was a kfc guy mm. french huh. fries coke and a strawberry shake 
Did he have any last words? Uh, prison officials watching over Gacy described his demeanor as, quote, chatty and talking up a storm. This is right before he's getting killed. And he told a Night Tribune reporter, quote, there's been 11 hardback books on me, 31 paperbacks, two screenplays, one movie, one off-Broadway play, five songs, and over 5,000 articles. What can I say about it? But of course, he quickly protested, I have no ego for any of that garbage. <laughs> wow. And you can add another podcast on that because uh, we got you covered. And his wow. last words were, kiss my ass. Wow. <laughs> like the coolest last words ever. <laughs> Blowing out your ass. Wow. So, so it was influenced by John Gacy? Like, I wonder, was he counting huh? that as... What? It movie oh yeah i mean think about it he was actually i mean this was i mean this was all over the everywhere i know i don't when did it come 86 the book came out in 86 okay so it was after okay after all this stuff yeah so when they were digging because i talked about last episode them digging up these bodies they actually had to dig so deep that they risk toppling over the house because they were messing with the supports you know, because the supports go all the way down in the, right. to, to way down in the dirt. But you digging so deep, you're digging up the supports, the house can fall over, right? So eventually, they just bulldoze the entire house after they accounted for all the bodies. There's definitely some bones still under there. No way, there's not. <laughs> but they bulldoze the house because house values were, I mean, yeah. house values were sinking because all the media was there. Anyway, there were people protesting. At his neighbor's house, there's a little old lady, Lily Greg, Lily Gregsa. She was 51 at the time, next door neighbor to John Wayne Gacy. They were yelling at her, how did you let this happen? How could you not know? She tells what? the Des Moines Tribune that, quote, I remember the first, I'm doing my old lady's accent. I remember the first time I ever laid eyes on John Gacy. It was a few days after Christmas, just seven years ago. He had moved in a couple weeks before. There was a knock at the door. He stood there with a crate of fruit in his arms and a big smile on his face. Hi, he said. (laughs) She would go over to his house all the time and have drinks and everything. None the wiser. There's all these bodies buried under there. We've lost a good neighbor and friend. I'm not talking about the John Gacy I read about in the papers. I'm talking about the John Gacy we knew and liked so much for seven years. Kind of crazy, isn't it? Wow. Well, thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of Talk Murder to Me, John Wayne Gacy Part 2. I wanted to dedicate this episode to both Savannah and Lauren. So um, shout out to both of you guys, and I hope you enjoyed. I tried not to make it too clown-esque. We didn't even talk about a clown room. So what did he? So when was he a clown? Did he do, like, kids' birthday parties? Yeah, he did. Well, not kids' birthday parties like you think of. He did— uh, was he in a He circus? did, like, charities for these local oh, like politicians. Corporate events, corporate event, like, big things, man. Big. Balloon animals. and. I mean, he was, uh, it was his way of. To me, clowning it was a way of relaxation for me. You regressed in childhood. You were able to relax. And you could be uh, goofy if you wanted to. And still you had the facade of your face being covered. I used to do clowning, and I don't know if you want to mention the name, for an ice cream company in Chicago who had 33 flavors. I used to, I'm serious, Bressler Ice Cream Company. I was their contractor, and I was also their clown. He had his own clown room, which I got pictures of. It's kind of really creepy, you know. I don't want to see it. Yeah. Do you? I'll show you. Maybe. And he's got, read that? he's got some fantastic art 
he's I really would love to have one of his paintings. I really would not. I saw an I saw an article though. I don't know how you guys think about murderabilia, but soon after he committed all these and he was in prison right before he was executed, I believe these two guys bought up the majority of his paintings, like nearly all of them and had a bonfire and burned them all. Hmm. All right. Anyway, um, if you really enjoy this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you use. If you really like this episode, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our clown, go to talkmore.com slash clown. Become a taco clown. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker, swag, a lot of clowns. Shout it out all over to clown. Tell me what story you want me to clown. I'll research it and I'll clown it for you on the talk murder, on the talk clown to me. My name is Clown, here with Jen and Nicole, and until next Clown, fix my ass. I think I read that one. I'll take the next one. How about that? <laughs> I was reading it quick no. to see if there was anything in it. I don't see the word. No, because here. the next one says, <laughs> I literally have the I'll word. I'll take the next one. I literally have the word, Jen, Jen read this <laughs> on the next one. You're the worst. What See, a- look, Jen, read this. <laughs> Shit, you're reading the wrong one, but go ahead. You know what? I'll let you have your fun. <laughs> go ahead, Cole. <laughs>